welcome to an episode of Crippled by Culture, where we talk about everything in life and relate it to the disability and chronically ill community. My name is Sean Gold, and I'm an author, advocate, and nonverbal public speaker for the disabled community. To provide a quick visual description for accessibility, I am a black man with a trite white tracheostomy breathing tube in my neck. I'm wearing a red t-shirt. Next to me is the voice you hear speaking for me, and this is a video of a Zoom call with me and uh, the person speaking for me off camera. My guest is in another box next to me. Today, I'd like to thank Yuri Velez for being my voice in this episode. And in this episode, we are talking about the intersections of disability and sex education. Before we get any further into the interview, I want to give a shout out to our partnering nonprofit festival for the series, Festability. As a board member, I helped put together a wonderful event in St. Louis at the Missouri History Museum. We had so many activities and vendors set up all over with an amazing headliner for our main stage. Getting to do this event was a dream come true. It is the best event in St. Louis to celebrate your disability unapologetically. Make sure you come out later this year. More information will be available soon. Thank you Festability for sponsoring the series. Now, back to the show. So let's get to today's amazing guest, Kendra Holiday. Kendra is a sex surrogate partner and co-founder of Sex Positive St. Louis. Kendra, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? Would you mind please giving a visual description of yourself? Yeah, thanks, Sean, for having me. So I'm Kendra Holiday, and I'm a 50-year-old white woman with long wheat-colored braids and big dangly earrings and a mod multicolored dress. I like to keep it nice and colorful and all my jewelry on. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's get into it. Um, first off, do you identify with having a disability or a chronic illness? And if so, would you mind sharing what disabilities or chronic illnesses you have? I wouldn't really say that I have anything of that nature at this time, although throughout my life I've had experiences. Right now I'm just going through menopause. Okay, that is one of them. Um, <laughs> Since you are non-disabled, um, what made you consider having an advocacy career involving the disability community? Well, there's two pieces to my passion, and one is being co-founder of Sex Positive St. Louis, which is a non-for-profit group that is in St. Louis that just tries to be as inclusive as possible and offers a safe place for people to explore and discuss sexuality issues. And of course, for that, over the years, I've learned about trying to help people access more and more of that service. Uh, for instance, the first few years we did it, we weren't even thinking about where we would have our venues, our events. We didn't think about those sort of things. But over time, the more we got to uh, collaborate with other people and outreach and education, we learned about how to um, incorporate more people of uh, diversity. A lot of people are, I think, mm, 
<laughs> um, I think that if we didn't know any better, I think sex positive St. Louis could just be a white people, county, privileged organization, but we wanted to really reach out more than that. So um, that's been a really great growth process for us. And then as far as my professional side, uh, being a surrogate partner, I work with people with all different kinds of issues and, and experience and um, and different dysfunction and things they want to address. And so it made perfect sense for me to um, include people who have various disabilities into that as well. Thank you. Um, what do you think you've learned that stays with you on a daily basis from the disabled community or a specific disabled person? I would say the biggest thing for me is that in general, our society thinks of sex as like straight vanilla sex, which is two or three positions, two or three things. Like it just is kind of a, a template that people follow. And with when I'm working with people with disabilities, we have to get more creative and adaptive and we get to be more uh, using different pleasure tools and different uh, assistive devices. And with that creative process of finding different ways to access our pleasure, I'm able to take those lessons I learn into the straight world so that the people who don't think outside the box have an opportunity to expand their horizons as well. So it's really wonderful how it flows like that. Can you explain um, what you mean when you say surrogate for those who don't know? Sure. Um, so a surrogate partner, surrogate means substitute. So I'm a substitute partner for somebody who would like to practice. Of course, people can self-pleasure and explore their sexuality on their own, but if they need someone else to um, practice being with somebody else, then that's where I come in. And um, the reason why it's more called surrogate partner than a sex surrogate is because what we do together is not just about sex. It's really more about intimacy and connection and being present in your own body while sharing it with somebody else. Thank you. Um, we'll get to your involvement in the disability community. How did Sex Positive St. Louis um, become established? Well, we started off in 2010 and we, as a community saw the East Coast and the West Coast and other places doing some really remarkable sex positive organizational work. And uh, my friend in town, Anna Bent, she contacted me one day and said, well, don't you think that St. Louis could use a group like that? And I said, absolutely. So we thought about our group as bridging the gap between the East and the West Coast. And so she and I started it and we invited David Wraith and uh, Johnny Murdoch. So we had four co-founders in 2010. And the very first month we had our first happy hour, we had a hundred people show up. And ever since then, our group has been growing and growing. And right now on Meetup, our group has 5,400 members. Wow, cool. There's definitely a demand. <laughs> um, and how does, the, how does the organization help with clients with various disabilities? Uh, well, we have featured so many different topics of discussion in our um, in our events over the years. I believe we've hosted over 500 events, 
And some of them are happy hour, very casual, get together, meet and greets. And some are more educational or discussion focused or group activities. So we've, gosh, I should have looked up some of the events because we've done some really incredible ones. Uh, we've also collaborated with other licensed sex therapists and behavioral analysts in town to talk about uh, ways to incorporate um, dating and relationship and living and loving with um, people with autism, people with HIV, people with different abilities. And so that's been really wonderful to focus on those things. We've done talks on chronic pain and sex and we've uh, collaborated with Washington University with uh, different people coming in town and learning about that. And so one of the people that I met during that uh, one of these uh, disability conferences was Tuppy Owens, who lives in the UK, and Tuppy has a really great group where she, she it's, it's like an outsider kind of group where she hosts hosted parties for people with disabilities to really enjoy themselves and be able to uh, celebrate different sensations and different creative explorations like that, and she invited me to write a chapter in her book on sex and disability. And I wrote a chapter all about the A disease that was just kind of a cute play on that. And so that was just really neat how when you meet somebody and you learn about it and then you just run with it and it flows into the next thing. And so it's been really rewarding to be able to connect with so many people. Um, is the book out? I think you can get it online. I think it's available as a PDF. I'd have to go look for it. But I think her trust is called TLC. I could get you a link later if you want, and I can. I think it's still up there. Awesome, we'd love to share it. Um, how do you how do you respond to um, folks who consider this kind of work exploitative? Um. Wow. Well, though I haven't really had contact with people that come from that place, but I have been contacted by many different people who have disability or their families advocating for them. And they've already spoken to a therapist about this option. And the therapist is educated about it as well. And so uh, when people contact me, we make sure that we are really respectful and stay within guidelines and boundaries and uh, have everything be very much discussed up front so that there's not any misunderstandings or, you know, I, I want to make sure that with me, I want to conduct myself as ethically as possible and I want to leave people and places and things better than I found them. So I think that's really important to recognize that. I think that when you put surrogate partner work into the umbrella of sex work, that has so many different categories and those certainly can get into some different areas that could be considered uh, a little sketchier or, um, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the same protocol. So that when, when now that you have me thinking about it, you know, if someone is sitting at home and they have a disability and they contact somebody for webcamming or some sort of online virtual thing, you really don't know who you're getting involved with. And a lot of people are really good people, but you also are dealing with almost near strangers. And that can, you know, anytime you interact with any human being, you're taking a risk and being able to get to know the person and hope for the best that they're not going to be, um, you know, like I think most people are good, but there are people out there who do harm and exploit people. And it's nice to 
be prepared for that and look out for the warning signs. It's important, yeah. And I, you sort of began to touch on this, but um, the umbrella of sex work, um, do you have feelings about it being stigmatized by prostitution and things like that? Yeah, um, so sex work is still stigmatized in our society, of course, and it is still, a lot of it is considered illegal. Um, the word prostitute, I have no problem with it, but some people see that as a slur. It is an outdated term, and I think that there is that stigma with sex work, and and I, I never, I don't really understand it. I get that we came from a puritanical background and that there are certain subjects in our society that are considered more taboo or people don't want to talk about it as much, makes them uncomfortable. And for some reason, I just fell right into the whole world of sex education. It felt very natural to me. And I try to normalize it and I try to that's why I provide the place for people to have those open, honest conversations. And it really does help to be able to say some of the things out loud or be able to talk about some of our desires and our goals so that we can really address them and not just carry them around and feel like you're missing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fact that it, it's illegal doesn't really make sense. I'm with you with that. I would think it'd be much better if we had it decriminalized so that everyone involved, the people that are buying the service and the people offering the service are in a much safer place. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of stigma, what, what stigmas have you faced towards sex and disability specifically? Um, if I'm understanding your question correctly, Sean, I will say that in general, a lot of people make assumption about people with disability. They assume that they are asexual or that they don't want to have sex or that they're not interested in dating without even considering it. They just assume that. Mm -hmm. And that's why oftentimes when a person with disability is going through the school process and going through high school, they often get just overlooked instead of being included. And, and some people don't even ask. And it's just so silly to me. So it's nice to uh, recognize that people with disability are, have every bit as much desire and uh, a need for pleasure, and uh, they should have access to experimenting and being able to explore their sexuality. And things to offer. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Like I said, I've learned so much from the people I work with, and I just love the creative process so much and, and the variety and, and just, um, I, I would much rather be with someone who is unique and somebody that has, uh, is something that is not just a Ken or Barbie doll. Yeah. And the society trained behavior, um, you know, that starts very early to ignore disabled people. For sure. Yeah. Um, and to infantilize us. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, how can hiring a sex worker and or a sex therapist be beneficial? I've thought about it myself, um, but I'm 
I don't want my first time to be an experience I paid for necessarily. Um, I think it's best to do your research or if you have community that you can get word of mouth referrals, that would be really nice. And I would recommend that if someone's considering hiring a sex worker, that they pay for a talking consultation first, as opposed to agreeing from not never seeing each other before to getting in the same room and then touching each other. I think that there needs to be um, a little bit, just, you know, the bare minimum layers of getting to know each other before you get into the more intimate things. That way you can put some of those anxieties and unknowns at ease as you get a mental rapport with the person that you may be spending skinship with. I call it skinship or skintimacy. Oh, and I do wanna add, if that's okay, that um, there are some people out there who are sex workers who are very mechanical about it and they do treat it like it's a business transaction and they, uh, want to just kind of get through the motions, but there are a lot of people, I consider myself one of them, to be way more into the the mental rapport and, and being very present with the person and knowing that what we're sharing is not just about an orgasm. It's not just about certain things. It's, it's much more um, fulfilling and rewarding than that. So there are people who are doing this that are doing it for the right reasons, my opinion, and doing it, you know, you do make money, but you also value and respect other people and also really enjoy the experience. What are, what are those right reasons? Um, so I think that the right reasons to go into any vocation, uh, you know, some people have a job, then they make money and they pay the bills with it. But if you're having a career or something, I, I think it's really a great privilege to really enjoy what you're doing. So for me, my right reasons for being a surrogate partner is to provide experience and be a stepping stone for somebody if they... Uh, are lacking in the normal, in the regular, being able to just, you know, drive down the street, go to a bar, pick up a chick or have, you know, get, have a coffee date, all these things, or just where you just, um, just things are so much easier. And so for, for some people, they don't get the experience that, that, that they would like to have. So to be able to practice with somebody and have positive experiences that will build confidence and, and um, techniques so that they can go on to have their successful dating life and relationships and marriage and children someday if they want. Uh, how can this improve sex for the disabled community? Um, well, I think that there are a lot of people out there, whether they have disability physical or not, or whatever kind of uh, limitations or challenges they might have. I think a lot of people are missing something like they're, you know, some people are very happy to be single or they don't care to be intimate with other people. But if you're not given that opportunity when you want it, it can be very painful. You know, it's for, for some people, like me, food, um, sex is like as important to me as food. And for some people, if you don't get skin touch or you don't get that sensual touch or romantic feelings, um, it can it can be um, 
it can it can become very painful and lonely and it's nice to be able to reach out and to find out some different options to to allay that and be able to find what you were seeking yeah it is very painful i i feel that myself mm. what would you tell people um both disabled and non-disabled who struggle with the idea of disability and sexuality? Um, I'm not sure how to answer that, but I would say that the more we get to know each other, the more you reach out and pay attention to other people and not just overlook people and walk by them, but to actually engage and, and, and get to know somebody, you know, of course there's that problem of some people are really nosy and rude and they'll ask inappropriate questions or really personal questions. I'm not talking about that. I mean, just getting to know someone as a human being. And I, like for instance, for a long time, I knew lots of non-binary people in, in my life, but I never got to know one real close. And so being able to share the closeness and learning about a non-binary person's experience really opened my eyes and helped me understand so much more where they were coming from. And then to be able to share intimacy with that person, it was different than any other person I've been with because I'll tell you, as a bisexual woman, I have been with men, women, trans, couples, all kinds of people. And this was the first time that I experienced male energy and female energy in the same encounter and it was switching on and off and that was new for me and that was really quite amazing yeah i had a comment a couple of years ago uh saying he has limited abilities how can he have sex uh, it had absolutely nothing to do with the video that i was making oh wow Yeah, see, that's someone just making assumption or just not being able to, I don't know, it, it just seems, of course, it's an ignorant kind of comment, but yeah. All right. Um, what else would you like to talk about today? Is there anything that we, I, excuse me, let me rephrase that question. What else would you like to talk about today that I might not have covered? Hmm. I really appreciate being able to talk about Sex Positive St. Louis and about surrogate partner work. Um, uh, again, there's been many different experiences and different uh, disabilities that I've worked personally with and um, talking about the stigma of sex work. And I guess I would like to say that one thing I've noticed in my line of work is that the people who have um, disabilities who live with their families, they are often very much not given the space or privacy to access different things. And so I found that families who are supportive of their adult children's interests and desires to um, be intimate and know about sexuality, it's pretty much needed that the family is supportive of that. That's been the most, that's been what's caused the best success for the people who reach out to me. It's when their families are supportive. Totally. While maintaining confidentiality, of course, can you share about some of 
the experiences you've had with disabled people? Um, gosh, so many that are, I'm, hmm, let's see. I have worked with several people who are on the autism spectrum. And it's nice when you're given therapies and training to learn how to interact with people and, um, you know, just make social interaction easier for you, for, you know, how the mainstream is. And so I've been part of that practice process and have learned about how to communicate and being direct and offering that honest feedback in a respectful manner that will help them be able to be better successful in the dating because people are definitely wanting to date, but they might come across a certain way that might be a little off-putting for some people. And it's just nice to learn how to, how to interact with people. I call it emotional flex, where you learn how to read someone else's body language or their, their, how they come into the room with emotions and how you can flex with them and not, you know, it just, it just, you're able to read and to um, mirror back them in a way that provides building a trust and creating a safe space. That's, I guess that's another really big thing I want to say is uh, the most important thing about good sex is feeling safe and being able to feel relaxed because anxiety is so common these days. And if you can find places where you can really relax, it just makes a huge difference. Um, and then as far as other disabilities, I've worked with several clients who have muscular dystrophy. And of course, everyone's a different person with um, different abilities, but in general, uh, they have limited mobility and full sensation. And I've learned that because they can't shiver, they um, will be colder more. So I know to put blankets on them for a skin that's not being attended to <laughs> so that they are more comfortable. Uh, that's just one example. And um, I've worked with a lot of men who have had prostate surgery and that's another issue because it depends on how they did the surgery and if there was nerve damage or not. And learning again about assistive devices like um, penis pumps and different things that people can work with. But I love for people to be able to work with their own body and feelings. If at all possible, it should be addressed that way first before you start adding medications and other things that could be more invasive. So I, I think um, that's an important thing. And most recently, I have a, a woman client who has, uh, she suffers from a pretty bad autoimmune disorder, and she, uh, it causes her to have a, um, a very painful skin condition that's not contagious. And so she had such serious body shame that she um, was very shy to be even be with somebody else. So she came to me and we are able to do the, Oh, I mentioned, I want to mention that my favorite thing to do with my clients is the body show and tell. So it's where I talk about my body and 
then we take turns talking about our bodies from head to toe. And we talk about what we like about ourselves, what we don't like. And it's just fascinating to think about all the things our bodies have been through. And sometimes just talking about features or a scar or something, it's therapeutic. It's really a very rewarding experience. And to me, I love sharing my body and I love each person's like opening a present. And it's always, always a successful thing. It's always a really positive experience. And I just think that's wonderful just to be able to be comfortable with someone else in your whole skin and be accepted that way is really valuable. Yeah, it sounds like it builds a lot of connection. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, I might benefit from some of those suggestions and tips on dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm getting tired of the apps, even though they are the most accessible for me. Right. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for non-disabled people that might be interested in dating disabled folks but aren't sure how to approach that? Um, I hope this isn't out of line here, but I would like to, I'm sure you'll talk about this in some one of your podcasts, but I wonder about how a person who is not disabled would approach someone with disability and make sure that they're not, they, you know, they're getting to know the person for the person themselves and not because of a fetish thing or um, for some other reason that is not taking the whole person into consideration. I, I think about that because I don't discriminate with body types and, and different things like that, but I do feel a little bit um, self-conscious about that. So that's something I would like to ask you. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that question, but um, I definitely feel that it is a fine line between fetishizing um, genuine and genuine interest. Um, I can't remember this term, but it's kind of sad. Um, yes, fine line. <laughs> uh, yeah, because people have different features that are attractive to somebody and... Yeah, I don't know, like we get attracted to what we get attracted to. And I do want to say that there's many social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok, but I'm personally on Twitter and I do follow several people who are disability activists and they definitely will tweet out good advice for people, what not to do and how not to be rude <laughs> and and just um, some common sense stuff that a lot of people don't even think about. So that's really helpful to learn from the people out there advocating and activists like that. Yeah, devotees is the word that I was yeah. thinking oh, about. Oh, good call, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also yeah. just not to assume, like you were uh -huh. talking about before, that disabled people aren't sexual beings, not interested in sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen quite a few uh, YouTube channels of featuring interabled couples, and I think those are real interesting to be able to learn from. And I've noticed some will have uh, videos, and they get so many comments and go into such personal questions. And then the couple will sit down and answer all these really personal questions about bathroom habits and all kinds of stuff. And I do think that people are curious, but gosh, I mean, I am an open book, but it's kind of um something to think that you have the right to ask people's really personal private business 
that has nothing to do with you, you know? <laughs> How do you think we can change that mindset? I think that the people who are putting themselves out there and going through all of that are trying to set a good example and they're trying to maybe answer some of those questions so that well, the people watching their channels will go out into the world and be better human beings. So I think that they're, um, you know, they don't have to carry that labor, but they're doing it for the greater good and the community. And I really appreciate that. So listen to disabled people. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Yeah. How novel. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you have your channel and that you've been doing all of your writings and sharing so much. This is such great information for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Who do you follow? I love the Clements and Hannah and Shane. Um. I have heard, I've been following Adam Gerza for quite a long time and Winter Tashlin. He's, uh, he deals with a lot of different things, including Tourette's, um, the chronic sex, chronic pain sex, um, person recently changed their name. Um, those are the ones that come off the top of my head. And then there's Squirmy and Grubs. They're the YouTube channel that is entryables. That's very popular. But boy, I go through phases where, you know, like you'll find somebody who teaches all about um, being blind in our society and just, de you know, deaf culture and just all these different backgrounds that I just like to learn about as many things as I can. And every day I learn about a new thing. And it's just amazing what everyone has to uh, deal with the challenges and how to solve those problems and to and it's and I know one thing that is something I notice is that it seems to be pretty mandatory that people with disability have to have a positive outlook and be really upbeat about it and it would be nice you know if they can just um, they didn't have to be that happy spokesperson all the time that's something I've observed yeah Hannah and Shane, a.k.a. Squirmy and Grubs. That's who I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yep, they're that popular. We both know. <laughs> right on. I just thought of another really good example of a client that I've worked with for years now. Uh, about We meet about once a year. Uh, this person has uh, sickle cell anemia, and that... I've learned so much from, it, there's so much chronic pain involved and pain crisis and uh, with different parts of the body being damaged by the, the platelets not shaped properly, it can cause joint pain and kidney issues, all kinds of things. So he's been through kidney transplant and uh, hip replacement surgeries and so many different things. And so whenever he comes out of the hospital, he makes an appointment with me <laughs> to make sure everything's going still well. And so we got to practice his hips out and we've uh, gotten through some really nice, you know, it's just nice to check in again and, and look under the hood and see if everything's still going well. And it always is. So that's good. Sounds a lot more fun than physical therapy. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not a licensed sex therapist, but I guess that counts as sex therapy. <laughs> yeah, it um, is fun. There's so much pleasure. It's just so pleasure. And to just feel like, yes, I can do this. It's, it's really nice. It's what? Thank you. What online resources can you share or that, that you have? 
Um, do you mean my personal sites? Yours, others. Okay. Well, I definitely recommend people go to Sex Positive St. Louis's website because we offer a lot of different resources on there. Um, it's sexstl.com. And then my professional website is beopenandhonest.com. And then I do have a personal blog that has a lot of good educational stuff on there, but it's mainly naughty pictures and stories and stuff too. <laughs> and that one is thebeautifulkind.com. And then I, boy, oh boy, if I were to make a list of all the places I go to for all the advice and things, um, I'm constantly taking webinars and signing up and learning from different sex educators and researchers and therapists. And let me think, um, ugh, what was I going to say? Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the Savage Lovecast. And he goes into all kinds of good advice for all kinds of different things like the, the list is endless a lot of people call in about non-monogamy and dating advice and ethical questions so I really like the savage love cast a lot and I'm thinking about oh gosh off the top of my head I you know you have it in your podcast list and you don't remember all the names but but there are some really good uh, ones for occupational therapists talking about sex and disabilities and different techniques and things that are real good and um so I'm always looking into learning more about people with disabilities and all that. And then also my sex work support. It's nice to be connected. A lot of people in the sex work industry feel pretty isolated. And uh, so it's nice to find community there. And um, yeah, uh, I just am voraciously reading books and listening to podcasts and, and clicking away at the websites all the time and soaking it all up. All right. Well, definitely email me resources that you have and i will share them um i want to thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me i hope you enjoyed this time as much as i did um your insights as always are super appreciated um if people want to connect with you and support the work you do where can they do that Oh, thanks, Sean, so much. It's just, I'm so glad. Thank you for all that you do as well. It's, I'm just, I'm so glad we have people all doing different things. And um, it just, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so I'm just Kendra Holiday in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, my website's a beautifulkind.com and Sex Positive St. Louis. And um, yeah. I'll definitely get you some links so that you can put them in the show notes or however you do it. Yeah, I will absolutely share everything in my description below. Um, once again, I'm Sean Gold. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like, comment all your thoughts, and definitely subscribe. I'll see you all next time on another episode of Crippled by Culture. Thanks, Kendra. Thank you. Thank you.